evening, everyone. Junior Church, you are dismissed. Four years old through fourth grade to meet up front, and they'll walk you over. That was his walk, maybe. It was a high-step, quick walk. Yeah. So just want to remind you, um, I was given some information. Next week is Memorial Weekend, and there will be a Memorial Day um, event happening at the cemetery, first at the Reiki Hall, and then the cemetery for those who want to be here for that on next Monday. Just wanted to let you know there's a lot of information about it on Facebook as well. So this year we've been looking at the life of Jesus. We started the Old Testament. We saw how Jesus was not only present but active through the Old Testament time. We moved into the birth narratives. A couple of weeks ago we looked at his baptism and then his temptation. Today we're going to start a new series of what Jesus is doing. Today we're starting this series of looking at the disciples. We're going to look at these men and how Jesus called them to be disciples and what we can learn from our own lives through their example. So if you start looking or Googling anything online, you can find many lists available to help you be successful in this world. I started looking, I thought I'd start posting them, but it was just so many different types of lists. You can find lists on any topic. Here are just some of them I found. 12 Steps for those who are struggling with debt. 36 habits to reduce stress. And they kept going. There were lists going on. Ways to improve your love life. Ways to increase finances. Ways to lose weight. It just kept going. All these lists and lists. And as I was looking through them, one thing about these lists that is common in all of them, there are things that we just don't do. That's why they're on the list. These are the things you have to do. When evaluating any list, we're mostly find, most likely to find that there is something that we need to recommit to doing again. Often those lists don't tell us anything new. They're saying, here's what you're not doing, that's why you're in this predicament, so do it. And then you'll be in over here. We know these things, we don't practice them. We do not use self-control and self-discipline to guide our lives. And that's how it can be with the Christian life as well. We start to grow. We become a Christian, we're on fire, and we want to do all these things, and then all of a sudden it starts becoming comfortable, and we slide into our normal things, and we get assigned seats in, the, in our chairs, and, and that's where we have to go, and we get upset if somebody's sitting there. Rod, one of our elders, he's like, you sat in my seat one time. I need you to repent. He didn't say that. But we start getting comfortable in it, and we start... Needing a list again to say, this is what you need to do to refresh your faith. This is what you need to do to recommit. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves of the basics. I think that's what we're going to see here today. We're going to be reminded of the, spirit, what, uh, reminded of the spiritual matters that need to regain our priorities. The disciple who's going to show us that is Andrew. When it comes to being the disciple, we can fall into that trap that we have to be that upfront person. That you have to do the, to be a good Christian, you have to be able to come on stage, give a five-point hermeneutical sermon, and make sure everybody gives their tithes and then is baptized. That's what it means to be a good upfront Christian. But that's not what we're going to see here. So we're going to look at Andrew. First of all, who is Andrew? Well, let's look in Mark 1.16. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Andrew is the brother of Simon. Simon is going to be relate, uh, renamed later to be Peter. 
We also know he, he was a fisher of men. He, he or fisherman. He went out fishing. It just said so there. He became a disciple of Jesus. Apart from this, there's not a lot we can know about Andrew except for a few more scriptures. Let's go to John 1.35. In John 1.35 it says, The following day John was again standing with two of his disciples. So whose disciples? John's. That means they were following John. Jesus walked by and John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. They quit being John's disciples, and they followed Jesus. They became his disciples. Jesus looked around and saw them following. He says, what do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard John had said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means the Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Here we see why Andrew makes a good disciple of Jesus. Because he is already a disciple of John the Baptist. He is already wanting to learn and fill his mind with the knowledge of faith. He is thrilled by the voice of this personality, this wild teacher out in the, the woods who's eating bugs and honey. He was eagerly looking and listening, and when John said, There is the Lamb of God, he went. The wait stops when John sees Jesus, proclaims the Lamb of God, and Andrew follows. You don't have to be a Christian or go to church very long before you hear the term Lamb of God. It's describing Jesus, but it might come to a surprise to you. In the Greek, in the original languages of Scripture, the phrase Lamb of God is used twice in the Bible. We hear about it a lot, but yet it's only really used twice. Here that we just read, and then in verse 29, Jesus is called the Lamb in other passages, uh, but not really the Lamb of God. And it really depends on your translation, because they may just put, knowing that it's the Lamb of God, they'll put it in there. But the original Greek just called him the Lamb, except for these two here. The Bible uses of Jesus, it's a description which powerfully portrays who he is. The lamb would pick up on the Old Testament sacrificial symbols and system. So when John says, the lamb of God, all the Jews would have recognized, that means he's the sacrifice for me. That means he's going to be the one who's going to slaughter, sacrifice to cover the sin of death, or the death of sin. John is saying, there is the new lamb in town, the ultimate lamb, the supreme lamb, the one lamb who could fully take away the sin of this world. No other sacrifice. It is the lamb of God. He is specifically saying that. The lamb of God, the lamb who took on human flesh, the lamb who washes us totally clean, the lamb who makes us realize we cannot save ourselves. We go through life and it's difficult and we have these global tragedies. We have personal tragedies. There are times when we feel boxed into a corner and we have our heads in our hands and we're saying, there is no way to win. I am stuck. I can't beat it. I can't defeat it. And you're right. 
On your own, you can't. You won't win. But with the Lamb of God, we can overcome. How many of you remember when the Berlin Wall fell? I was in school, high school during that time, so made some of you feel a little old, but that's okay. The younger ones are making me feel old, so it's okay. But I remember it was all over, and there was pictures, and there's videos, and we it was just monumentous to have this wall that separated families and separated countries that was finally torn down, and there was reunion. Well, when it fell, a sign appeared in the churchyard of a small church in Prague, Czechoslovakia, and it simply said this, the Lamb wins. When the wall fell, the separation, this division The Lamb wins. The glorious gospel of God wins. Not sin, not disease, not death, not tragedy, not division. The Lamb who defeats all those things in life, He wins. The Lamb who compels us to follow Him as a disciple, He wins. And Andrew, when John said, there is the Lamb of God, Andrew followed. Now here's the challenge for us. In fact, it is a challenge that all people are confronted by Jesus need to have. Why is it sometimes we are so reluctant to follow and keep following when we know so much about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done? Really think about this. Why is it so hard for people who have the Bible, who have been raised in church, to keep following Jesus? What did it take for Andrew? One phrase. The Lamb of God. In contrast, we have the whole story. We have the whole thing we can read about. We know about the judgment of Pontius Pilate, who initially proclaimed that Jesus was innocent, but then gave in the demands of the crowds so that Jesus would be declared guilty. We have watched as that Lamb of God silently endured the whipping and the crown of thorns, the mocking and then the nails. We read about the agony of his words. We have seen him breathe his last and the earth shakes and the graves are ripped open and the curtain is torn in two. We have seen the silence has been broken. He is not here. He is risen when that gravestone was rolled away. The grave no longer has that answer. We see clearer than those first disciples did. Yet sometimes we are so reluctant to follow To follow radically like Andrew did when lives changed in earnest repentance. Why are we so hesitant? It isn't that the message is new. It's more of a matter of rethinking our priorities. As we do rethink our priorities, we are also challenged by Andrew in another way. As soon as Andrew realized who Jesus is, what does he do? He immediately shares the gospel. His message was simple. We have found the Messiah. Who's the first person he goes to? His big brother, Peter. As often, they are brothers, and these guys are not alike. They are different. Okay? You could look at my brothers. I have two brothers, and we are very different. Not just in body type, but in personalities, in our interests, in our character. I am the best of the three. And it's obvious Okay, they're not here because they're not good enough to be here. No, they, they, they are good enough. Okay. But Peter is different than Andrew. Okay, Peter, when we get to look at him, we're going to see he's impulsive, while Andrew is quiet and reserved. 
Peter was in the limelight while Andrew was happy to keep to himself in the background. Peter is the natural-born leader, and Andrew is the natural-born follower and helper. Peter wasn't the sort of man who took suggestions very well. I want all of you who are older brothers to just think for a minute. Older sisters, the older sibling. If your younger sibling came to you and said, Hey, I found something you need. What is your general reaction? Leave me alone. Whatever. You don't know any better. I'm smarter than you. Whoa, quit talking. Okay, we, we have this idea which makes this incident with Andrew and um, Peter very remarkable. Andrew had every reason to expect his big, gruff brother to scoff. Oh, you found the Messiah this time. You are out following that guy who's wearing weird clothes and eating bugs, and now you think you can tell me about the Messiah. Sure, little brother, get back on the riverbank and let's go to work. Andrew might have expected that reaction. Maybe it's exactly what happened. We don't really know. What we do know is he went to his brother and spoke to him with a joy in his voice and a fervor in his soul that could not be denied. There was some gold miners, um, back in the old day, there was gold miners digging for gold. One of them noticed this weird-looking shaped rock, and so they cracked it open, and inside it was filled with gold. Soon they kept finding all these rocks, this group of them, and they kept finding more and more gold, and they they declared, we're rich. But they had to go get more supplies. And they decide when we go into town, we're not telling anybody. Because then they're going to come and take the claim. So when they, they got into town, nobody breathed a word about their discovery. As they started leaving town, there was a whole group started following them. And they said, what are you doing? They said, well, we know you have found gold. Well, who told you? Well, no one. We can see it in your face. Andrew, when he found Jesus... And he followed Jesus. He ran immediately and told Peter, his brother, we have found the Messiah. And I think there was something different because he found a treasure greater than gold. Peter may have been skeptical, but he couldn't deny that something has changed. It was written all over Andrew's face. Andrew does not know a lot of information at this point about Jesus. He only knows that Jesus is the Lamb of God of God. That's it. But isn't that all that matters? Andrew realizes that Jesus needs to be central in his life. So Andrew starts to let others know. That's the simple thing here. Jesus will later say, let your light shine. Jesus will say, go and make disciples. Christians let other people know what we are about. It's what we are made to do right from the beginning of our walk with God. We may not be fully prepared with the greatest ability to tell about Jesus. We may not be fully ready to answer all the questions uh, why Jesus is the Savior. But we know He is our Savior. We know about forgiveness by grace because that's what Jesus has done. So what qualifies us? I have a question for you. When does a candle begin to shine? Only when it's half burnt? As soon as it's lit, right? As soon as that light is in it. It doesn't mean we have to all become upfront evangelists. As soon as the light of God's salvation hits us, 
we are to let that light shine for others. Not wait until we get a little more information. Not wait until we get our life a little figured out. Not wait until, well, I, I need to take care of this. When our candle of faith is lit, we let it shine. Who's Andrew? Even though he's one of the first disciples, he doesn't end up being one of the, the top spokesmen. He's not Simon Peter. Andrew is an introducer. He's one who introduces people to Jesus. That's all. But that is amazing and enough. Which means all of us can be involved in the process of sharing the gospel. Sometimes people think, man, I could never do what you do, Donnie. And I, when I hear that, I'm like, you're right. I can't do it either. God has to do it. And I can't do what you can do when God works through you. Because God has called each one of this. We may think we've got to leave our job and go to another country. When my, my wife and I were younger and getting ready to go to college for ministry, she told me, you will not become a missionary. I'm not going to go live in a hut. And I agreed, because I like air conditioning. But we decided wherever God leads us, that's where we'll go. So he led us to this weird country place called DeKalb County, where there's air conditioning. We may think we need to be up front and leave a job or, or do things, but Jesus calls all of you as you are when he lights that candle of faith. Disciples who recognize that something as simple as a message spoken, there is the Lamb of God. And they know they need to tell other people. That's what Andrew is. And that is exactly why Jesus calls him to be a disciple. He just gets on with the job by bringing people to Jesus. That's what he's doing in the second passage we're going to look at. In this passage we're going to look at in John chapter 6, crowds are following Jesus. None of them are prepared for this journey. They just keep wanting to follow Jesus. And so Jesus wants to feed this huge crowd. And he tests his disciples. John 6, 1 through 9. After this, Jesus crossed to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs. And he healed the sick. Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with the disciples around him. It's nearly time for Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw the huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? We're going to get into that phrase another day, but I want you to hold on to it. That's a very key phrase there. He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed him. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fishes. But what is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to all the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all ate so much as they wanted. What that really means is they were stuffed. Now, after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now go gather the leftovers that nothing is wasted. 
So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. In the end, which disciple comes through? It's Andrew. He's been talking to the people. He knows where things are. And he introduces this little boy. Hey, Jesus, we got this. Here's this little boy. Let me introduce you. How will that help? But I still want to introduce Andrew met this boy and brought him to Jesus. Five barley loaves, two fish, less than most of us would take to a picnic. Andrew himself isn't quite sure how it's going to help, but it's all the food he could find. So he introduces this lunch. He introduces this boy to Jesus. And after looking at Andrew more, I think Andrew knew Jesus would do something. He just couldn't fathom what it would be. Jesus, here's Tommy. Tommy has his own lunch. But what is that going to do? And from that time of being introduced to Jesus, little Tommy's life was changed forever. Can you imagine this little boy running home? He used my food. And look how much more I got. Let's take him something else. Can you imagine this boy wanting to just take more and more to Jesus. He used my lunch to feed over 5,000 people. It's an amazing thing when someone who thinks they are nobody all of a sudden realizes they matter to God. And that's what Andrew did. Andrew brought people to Jesus. And then Jesus did the rest. I think sometimes we get it mixed up. We try to help fix the people so that they can come to Jesus. Instead of just saying, here's Jesus. I don't know what you're going to do, God. Here he is, though. God, I know this lady. Here she is. And then we step back and watch him work. You don't have to be the upfront person to introduce people to Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't even have to see the people converted. But when you are a disciple telling people about Jesus, it is a priority. When we are Christians who have a candle of faith living bright in our life, we want to tell people. Now, I know most of you have heard stuff like this before. And if I asked you to tell me what this passage was t- telling us, I'm sure most of us said we've got to go tell others about Jesus. The issue isn't knowledge. It's priorities. I know I need to do it. But do it. The priority that comes when we know Jesus as the Lamb of God. The Lamb who decided that eating with sinners was better than eating with the religious elite. The Lamb who identified with the outcasts, the unwanted, the poor, and the defenseless. The Lamb who knew we were never going to make it on our own and then did what was necessary to make us friends and family with God. Some, we know this Lamb. Some of you know just a little bit. Some of you know, have known Him for a long time. We have the knowledge Andrew has shown us it's not knowledge. It's about a priority. I've seen so many parents when they've got their little kids and they are watching, making sure, don't touch that, that'll hurt you. No, we can't walk over there and they're constantly guiding. They're vigilant because it's a priority to watch over their little one. 
it needs to be a priority that we are constantly looking out for people to introduce to Jesus. You will not have all the answers because you're not Jesus. You won't know how to fix their problems because you're not the Lamb of God. All you need to know is this is the Lamb of God and I introduce you to this person. Will it be a priority for you? Let's stand and pray. God, we thank you. God, right now, I want to thank you that you placed individuals in my life who made sure that I was introduced to you. I want to thank you that all the people in this room, that you have done the same for them. That you moved events and you just moved so many things that you could make sure they met you. And God, forgive us when we fail to repeat that pattern. Help us, God, to become like Andrew so that we can be your disciple. Help us that we can start introducing people to you, that we can just look at you and our friend, and then we can say, come and see Jesus. Just come and see. Help us, God, to take ourselves out of that limelight and shine the light of our faith on a path that points to you. Forgive us when we fail that. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. And in your name we pray. Amen.